Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's the Mark K Show. Listen, like, share. I had a whole system to do that, and I, I totally messed up. I didn't have enough time. What, what I'm gonna, one day, I'm, there's too many buttons to press when you're doing your own thing. When you're doing, a, when you're doing your own podcast, when you're doing your own Facebook page, when you have to run your own audio, when you're your own producer, it's, it's, very, it's very stressful. My hair's falling out. Kidding. I don't have any hair. Uh, this is the Mark K Show. Thanks for being here. Look, three big things that we have to talk about today. Three. three. Barack Obama is moving. I know where he's going to live. We have photos of his house, and there's something about it that may actually surprise you. Also, two, uh, there's more outcry and, and horror about this the, uh, this uh, hate crime from Chicago, the four people that were charged. We have the photo of them. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Chicago with these four criminals who tortured this uh, 18-year-old autistic dude. That's uh, all anyone's really been talking about and commenting about, and I want to you know I want to touch back on that again. But also, very important, uh, for days now, I've been telling you that this is going to happen. Today, it's fine happening. One. One. Congressman Ron DeSantis, who is co-sponsoring the bill with Ted Cruz uh, for the uh, for the uh, the, congr- the constitutional amendment, rather, to set term limits on the House and the Senate. He, I, I spoke with him yesterday, as promised, and I have some of the highlights. He's a really smart guy, really uh, thought this through and has some great points on term limits. Before we get to any of that, two things. First of all, I have to, there's some light on the back here. I'm still, still gonna, I didn't pull the, I didn't draw the drapes appropriately. Uh, like I said, a one-man show. Also, I should point out that a lot of people were complaining uh, because, you know, that's what people... Oh, that's not... The light's still coming. That's all right. Uh, a lot of people were complaining because, you know, that's what people like to do. They have a lot of time. People complain that uh, they, they love watching this show on Facebook, but number one, they don't have the time to sit on Facebook. Also, if you're on a cell phone and you're not on Wi-Fi, it draws a lot of your, your data and your battery power and blah, blah, blah. And people for a long time have been saying, can you just do like a podcast? And I was like, I mean, probs. Uh, so I Googled it and I figured it all out and we have a podcast, but this is very important. This is very important. Before we get to the news, bear with me. I know everyone wants to hear about the news. I know everyone's itching to comment and uh, and weigh in, but there's something very important about podcasts that I learned from all my podcasting friends. In order to have a successful podcast, you have to, from the get-go, get a lot of people to go and review your podcast. You have to get a lot of people to comment on your podcast and give it a ton of stars. So I've put the link to iTunes at the top of this um, description. If you look straight up, You'll see the description there. There's a link. If you can now or later or both, click on that, subscribe to the podcast, and most importantly is leave a review because that puts you, I don't know, it puts you in some kind of algorithm or system. And and if we can get a lot of reviews and a lot of positive comments and a lot of stars in a very short time frame right from the get-go, then we all win. Uh, the podcast gets gets you know a lot of publicity, and uh, we get a lot of listeners. We get a lot more viewers too. Also, speaking of which, thanks for joining me on sh- on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, hit that share button right now because your friends are going to want to hear all about this. Wait till you see the snaps I got on Snapchat about the Chicago terrorist, uh, the Chicago kidnapping and torture. You're gonna it, you're gonna these people are gonna make your head explode. 
These people on Snapchat are going to make your head explode. Also, uh, Ron DeSantis, we want to get into these term limits because this is something that's very important. It's a very important pinnacle part of Donald Trump's agenda. It's something he brought into the campaign. And for, for really a long time, a lot of people have been in support of this. But for reasons unbeknownst to anyone except for me, uh, it's never passed. It's never been put through. And Ron DeSantis went into a couple of those. We'll share those with you too. But, but first, go ahead and hit that share button on Facebook. Hit the like button. Make sure everybody knows that we are live and we are ready uh, to talk about some really great stuff. All right, let's kick. Why don't we kick off with the Chicago torture story? Because it is still the big story is. And yesterday, I feel like I should probably. Well, let me tell you the latest first. And then I'll go back to what I said yesterday, because I got I got a lot of hate on my comments and my and my Twitter. I got like hate, hateful emails. Uh, I guess maybe I didn't make myself clear enough, but we'll go back. And I, I want to clarify something I said. But first, here's uh, here are the mugshots. Here are the mugshots of the four people they arrested, uh, two sisters and their two friends. Let me get out of the way here. That's them. They all were arrested. They were booked on hate crime. They were charged with a hate crime. Finally. Man, it took the Chicago PD a long time to admit that was a it was a, a hate crime, and that that really ticked a lot of people off. But these four charged with the hate crime, charged with assault. A couple of them were uh, charged with robbery. Uh, apparently, they stole the van that they were using. Just a lot of bad stuff going on here. Uh, you know, Don Lemon says, "Ah, eh, they just weren't raised right." But there's there's probably more to it. Probably more to it uh, than that. But these are the four these are the four peeps that are in a lot of trouble. However, if you look at the photos, uh, you'll you'll notice that none of them are very upset or crying. They're kind of, this guy looks really cocky down at the bottom here. This guy on the left, bottom left. And some of the reports that were coming from the police department and the sources of the police department were that they showed absolutely no remorse. They showed absolutely no remorse. They didn't think they made any mistakes. They didn't think there were any problems. Um, You know, someone else said, look, of course they didn't show any remorse. They broadcast it live on Facebook. They were proud of what they were doing. What you're watching right now is Facebook Live. They were doing the same thing, premeditated broadcast of, of, of the torture of another individual for no other reason than he was white and he may or may not have supported Trump, which, I mean, that could be any one of us. I'm white. I supported Trump. You could be watching me right now, except I'd be getting my hair cut because I don't have any hair and I'd be gagged and they'd be yelling F words in the in the background. That's exactly what happened. So because they broadcast this on Facebook Live and because of the way they acted uh, when they were arrested, the, the basically there's no remorse, which makes this an even more heinous crime to begin with. Now, I did mention yesterday that I don't understand the differentiation between differentiation between a hate crime and just a regular crime and legally I do know that one is federal. I do know that one is on a state level. I get all that. What I what I meant to say, and maybe I wasn't clear, is that when you're the victim of a crime, when you're the victim of the of a crime, especially something like this, when you get beaten up or cut or stabbed or carjacked or whatever reason, the motive of the other individual doesn't really matter to you. You still want the full penalty of the law inflicted on these people. You still want them to, you you want the the hands of justice, the scale of justice to just swing and, you know, smack them in the face. No matter what, the motive is the last thing on your mind. I'll use myself as an example. People think I joke about this, but I did. When I was little, I got beat up a lot. Now, a lot of times, I'm pretty sure I had it coming. I'm pretty, you know, I had a big mouth and a little tiny body. And I'm pretty sure that I said some things to some people that I thought were funny. They didn't agree. It still happens to this day, but I'm able to talk myself out of it or really just make better decisions. I'm, I'm able to hold my tongue a little, a little bit more. But yeah, sure. There were times when I was a kid that I got my ass kicked, totally had it coming to me. 
But there were other times. Growing up in the South, I grew up in North Carolina. I would just be minding my own business, 12-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid. In high school, I was at a football game. And I was targeted for no other reason than I was just standing around and, as far as I know, looking really white and weak. Because that's what I looked like. If you described me in high school, it was like, how would you describe Mark Hay in high school? People would be like, oh, well, he was white and weak. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. That kind of loud. Maybe that's it. White, weak, and loud. That uh, that should be the name. That should be the name of my podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. This is no longer the Mark K Show. Uh, welcome to White, Weak, and Loud. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. So anyway, so I'm at this football game and I'm standing there, and all all of a sudden, these four thugs, black dudes, and they came over. They didn't know me. They were from the opposing school, I think. And this one dude grabs me by the hair. And I know what you're thinking. You don't have any hair. In high school, I had lots of it. I, it was everywhere. I probably had too much. And he grabbed me by the hair. Well, maybe that's what happened to it. Maybe he grabbed me so hard that he just destroyed all of the, the uh, growth, the uh, nodule, what do you call them? The um, roots of my, my follicles. Fol isn't that it? Isn't that it? Are there any head doctors? Follicle? I think that's it. So anyway, he grabs me and he goes, hey, this dude over here wants to fight you. And I'm thinking to myself, why would any dude want to fight me? I'm like the least fightable person in the world. And then I realized that's why he wanted to fight me because easy target. And he dragged me across the parking lot away from my friends. And there's these other three dudes and they, and, the, and one guy goes, this dude wants to fight you. And the other guy goes, you want to fight me? And I remember saying this, I remember saying, no, because that's what, that was my initial reaction. He looks at me, he goes, you want to fight me? And I go, no, again. And then he, punches me right like bam right in the nose and immediately uh my nose just starts to gush blood because that's fun fact that's what my nose does when it gets hit really hard with a fist or any other object i pretty pretty any any part of my body you hit it hard enough it's just going to start bleeding so i'm bleeding and i'm in pain and i realize both of these things and i realize that even though i clearly said no I don't want to fight you. He misunderstood or he wasn't listening or he had other things on his mind and he was all intent on fighting me even though it was a lopsided battle. So I did what I normally do in these situations and I dropped down to the ground into the fetal position and tried to shield my head from any further injury. And so that's when these three dudes started kicking me. And one of them I remember had a cane and was like beating me with this cane and whatever. They all took off because the cops came running and people were screaming and the principal came over. I went to the hospital. Uh, oh, I do remember this, by the way. Every This is kind of funny. Every doctor and every nurse in the hospital has the same joke when you come in after getting your ass kicked, okay? If you're a doctor or a nurse, you probably know what it is. Everyone from the waiting room nurse who checks you in to the triage nurse who, you know, triages you and makes sure you're not dying to the uh, physician and the attending and the whatever, they have the same joke when you come in after getting in a fight. They look at you and say, what happened? And I said, I got beat up. And they always say, are we gonna see the other guy next? And they think it's funny. And at first, I was like, huh, uh, probably not. But by the third or fourth time, I realized this is just the running joke at the hospital when you have, uh, when you have a victim in here. Like, you know, are you, wait, are we going to see the other guy next? And I was just like, no, you're not. He's, I don't even know who or where he is. So here's what happened. Uh, we came back. We came back. 
And uh, they caught the guys and they took him to jail or took him to court or whatever. And that was the last I heard of it. But I never in my life, as the victim of what I'm, and I'm assuming it was a hate crime because they didn't steal any money from me. They didn't uh, know me at all. I didn't mouth. I'd never spoken a word to any of them. I, so I feel I was just targeted for being the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. But again, it wouldn't have mattered to me if it was some other motive. I still wanted these guys to go to prison or go to jail or, you know, both or get violated or get beaten up by somebody else. Or I, all that ran through my head was, God, these are horrible people. I hope that they rot in H E double hockey sticks. Cause I didn't curse back then. So I would think in, I would think in clean terms, like, you know, my, I was, I had family friendly lyrics back then in high school. Uh, so I was like, I hope they rot in H E double hockey sticks. That's all I thought about. And I have to think that this poor guy in Chicago, especially since he's autistic, uh, probably isn't worried about the rationale for the crime as much as he is just traumatized by the crime itself. And that, for that reason, when I say, you know, what, what's the difference between a hate crime and another crime? I'm looking at it from the perspective of the victim. If you're the victim of a hate crime or a non-hate crime or a robbery that's violent or, you know, maybe somebody attacks you physically because they're jealous of you or maybe they're just drunk or on drugs, you don't really care what the motive is, do you? You want them to be punished to the full extent of the law. And when I say what's the difference between a hate crime and another crime, I'm not saying, oh, punish the hate crime people less. I'm saying punish everybody at a really high level so that hopefully they never do it again. Anyway, that's that's my story. That's my take. And it looks like a lot of people agree with me about punish. Well, okay. As with everything, there's two sides to the coin. I went on Snapchat and I asked this question. I said, hey, here are the four people. And I showed the, I, I showed this picture. Wait, where is it? I showed this picture. I said, here are the four people. These are the people that are charged with the hate crime, with the torture and the kidnapping and the assault and the, and the robbery and everything else. These are the four. What is an appropriate punishment? What kind of punishment should they be handed down? What would you expect them to receive as a result of this? Here are a couple of comments I got. Here's the first one. I don't know how dangerous these individuals are, but maybe volunteering with the Special Olympics would rehabilitate them. Some sort of community service. Okay. <laughs> now, wait. Don't. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm sure she meant... I'm sure she meant community service in addition to the harshest, most ridiculously disgusting penalty of law that could be imposed on these people. I'm sure she was thinking whatever the worst punishment that the law allows times two for all four of them, and then on top of that, going for community service, working with the Special Olympics. Although, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't work for the Special Olympics. I've never, uh, I've never volunteered with the Special Olympics. I did uh, do some community theater with a special needs group, group uh, special needs group once. I just don't think that the, I just don't think that the organizers of the Special Olympics would want these people anywhere near any of their athletes. I'm just, I mean, again, I'm just guessing. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Community service. I feel like. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure that if you rethink that, you think that community service isn't going to change. Isn't going to change their outlook on, on life and uh, humanity. Here's another one that I got. If they want to torture a special needs person, then they need to be taken out back and get the same treatment, the same torture that they put that other person through. First up, cool shades, brah. 
Check that out, man. I have not seen shades like that since 1992, but I love them. I love that they're mirrored and orange at the same time, so I can see my reflection back in your glasses, and I also look like I have a tan. That's, that's a plus. Second of all, I love that idea. I'm a bit, you know, I always, I've, who was the judge? Judge Judy does a little bit, but there was another judge who was made famous. I think he got disbarred or dismembered or something. Uh, but there was a judge that was famous for handing out these crazy punishments and basically saying, look, whatever you did, you're going to get done to you. There was, he like robbed somebody's house. Uh, I remember he had this one really famous case. If anyone knows the name, comment on it, please. Um, but basically, he, he had this really famous case where somebody robbed somebody else. And as punishment, he let the person, the victim, go into the robber's house and take whatever they wanted. That was, you know, it was one of those, it was one of those eye for an eye. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It was, it was basically, you know, the, the same punishment is handed. It's like, uh, it, you know, it's like retribution, like specifically equal, equal retribution, which I think is awesome. So this dude comes up with this idea to just basically have the crime and the punishment be the same. Whatever they did to the guy is what they should be have done to them. I don't know why we don't do that more in this country. Also, by the way, they should then get the maximum penalty allowed by crime, uh, by uh, by the uh, law. They should they should first of all experience what that poor guy experienced, but then they shouldn't be left alone to go home. They should then go to prison for the rest of their lives. And I don't think that's too harsh a punishment. You know, some people are calling for the death penalty. I don't know what the laws are in Chicago. I know that in Chicago, death is a very popular thing, but I think that's more of a street crime than it is an actual punishment by the court. Uh, but, you know, anyway, yeah, put, put criminal. Uh, kidnapping is a big felony. Is kidnapping punishable by the death penalty, though? Is it, is it punishable by the death penalty? I know you can pretty much go to jail forever for the rest of your life for kidnapping somebody. But I just don't know if you, if you can get the death penalty. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's getting harder and harder to be sentenced to death in this country as it is. And, uh, and you know, let's face it. Once you're sentenced to death, you're on death row. What's the average, like 20 years or something. The average death row inmate. Uh, I want to say it's like 20 years before you even, before you even think about having your last, you get 20 years to think about what you want your last meal to be. And by then you probably aren't even hungry anyway. So listen, comment on that. Let me know what you think about these people. Let me know. Uh, I'm sorry about the sound. I'll fix that. I'll fix that next time around. I don't know why that, I don't know why that happened. Like I said, one man show here and we're only on day three. We're still learning, but uh, download the podcast later at the link above. I'll insert the audio because I have the capability of inserting audio and it'll be nice and clean for you there. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about are these term limits because this is big. This is big. This is proof. This is proof positive. And again, if you're if you're just now joining us, uh, please share this broadcast because this is going to be an important thing that affects everybody. And if you really think that Donald Trump can drain the swamp, this is proof. This is the first proof. If you have anybody who's ever been on your Facebook page saying Donald Trump's stupid, Donald Trump can't do anything. What is he's a, he's just all talk. Nothing's going to get done. Au contraire, mon frère. Uh, share this now because those people are in, they're about to learn something. This is an article from the Washington Post. Ted Cruz and Congressman Ron DeSantis wrote this op-ed after they uh, introduced legislation to push forth an amendment which would set term limits on both the Congress and the House. You know how the president has term limits? Two terms maximum, then you're out. Even if you're Barack Obama and you think, oh, I could have won. I could have beat Hillary. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, two terms and you're out. They want to do the same thing for the Congress and they want to do the same thing for the Senate. They're, they're, um, they're pushing forth an amendment that says two terms maximum for a senator, which, I mean, don't cry for senators. That is 12 years. 
that is 12 long years that you have to get something done. I mean, I've I've never worked at a place longer than the place I currently work at, and I'm just now coming up on 10 years. So think about how long a time that is. 12 years is lengthy. You should be able to accomplish whatever lies and, and fake promises you came up with to get yourself elected in the first place in those 12 years. And if you can't get all that done in 12 years, well, guess what? You're probably the wrong person for the job anyway. And then with the Congress people, it's much shorter. It's three terms, which is only six years. And uh, interesting point, when I talked to Ron DeSantis, by the way, Ron DeSantis is, uh, he's a great guy. I've known his wife. His wife here in Jacksonville is a local reporter. She's great. She's funny. She's been on the air forever. She has this great talk show. They just had a baby. Congratulations, Casey. And uh, Ron ran a couple years back. He won. We were all very excited about it. He lives not in my, I didn't get a chance to vote for him because I live like here. He lives, he lives in the rich person county. I can't afford to live in that county. He, it's the it's the ocean homes, you know, right on the beach and the golf course. Anyway, it's a great place. Don't get me wrong. I aspire to one day be able to afford to live in Ron DeSantis's district, but I don't yet. So I didn't actually get a chance to vote for him. But he's a he's a stellar guy and he's done a great job. And he and Ted Cruz came forward to uh, to put forth this amendment about term limits. And I said to him, I said, look. This is interesting because he just was sworn into his third term. So based on this proposal, this constitutional amendment, and don't get me wrong, it ain't a law. He wants to make it part of the Constitution, a constitutional amendment limiting senators and congresspeople to the amount of time they can spend in Washington. And I said to him, I said, look, in three terms, you're about to start your third term. If you pass this thing, that means that you've basically fired yourself. And he didn't seem to care because he thinks that uh, being a politician for a long period of time is a horrible thing. Here's why. Oh, hold on. Let me play this first clip. Being here for, for two or three terms, that's not even scratching the surface in terms of getting the type of seniority that you have to uh, accumulate in order to lead a committee or, or be involved in the leadership or what have you. Okay, so he's saying that two to three terms is nowhere near enough time to do anything. Listen to the, Listen to how long it takes in Washington to get to the place where you can actually accomplish your goals. What ends up happening is the incentives are once you get here, just stay here, kind of keep your head down, don't try to upset the apple cart, and uh, maybe 10, 20 years down the road, you'll be in a position... 10, 20 years down the road. Think about this. You've got people that are sitting at these in these committees, and the committees are where all the power is. The committees in Washington, that's where the power is. You think that you get elected to Congress, you pack your bags, you go to Washington, D.C., and you're like, hey, I got elected to Congress. My constituents love me. They want me to come in here and change everything. I'm going to go do it. And then you realize you've got zero power. Squata. You are one of 435 people, and you're the newest one. You're the lowest man on on the totem pole. You're not even on the totem pole. You're part of the wood that they have to dig and bury into the ground to keep the totem pole straight. Because I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've ever made a totem pole, but I was a Boy Scout. And while I never made a totem pole myself because I didn't like splinters and I got sunburned easily, I watched many totem poles being made. And there is just almost an equal amount of wood in the ground as there is above the ground because you don't want your totem pole to topple over. No one wants a toppled totem. Trust me. So uh, you're, uh, you're that wood that's way down deep in the ground. No one can even see you. And you don't get to a prominent place until after 10 or 20 years. 
20 years and then then you finally have power? The people that voted for you have forgotten why they voted for you in the first place. And all the stuff that mattered, all the agenda information and all the all the stipulations and ideas that you that your platform that you ran on initially, it's 20 years old. Don't nobody care about that. Nobody's going to care about the internet in 20 years. They're going to be caring about the super internet or whatever it is. ISIS will be, you know, old news. We're going to have some new horrible terrorist organization that we're trying to thwart. It's going to be a whole different ballgame, but you've got to wait 20 years before you can even do anything. It's such a horrible system. He actually used an example about the Hillary. Listen to this. Uh, Ron DeSantis is on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and he was he was a junior uh, congressman. His first uh, uh, first election, he got to Washington. He was put on the Foreign Affairs Committee because he was military. Thank you for your service. And this is what happened to him during the Benghazi hearings. So what they do is they do the chairman, then the leading Democrat, then the next senior Republican, and right. on and on down the line. So I was a freshman Republican. She was there five hours and, and left at five hours. I did not get to question her because it was all done based on seniority. So Yeah, so even something as important as the Benghazi hearings. He walks in, he's, you know, at first day of school, he's got his backpack and his wife packed him a lunch and a snack and put one of those little note cards in there that says, we're so proud of you, you know, go kick some congressional ass or whatever. And he comes in there with his questions and he's ready to question Hillary Clinton. She comes in. And they start and they go, Mr. Chairman, you have the floor. And the chairman talks and asks questions and probably about an hour and a half, maybe two hours is just the chairman talking. Then they go, all right, uh, vice chairman. I don't I'll be honest. I've never been on a congressional committee. I have no idea what the hierarchy is, but vice chairman. So then the next guy who's been there 30 years or 25 years, he starts to talk. And, you know, he's got this whole diatribe that he's just ready to, to tear into Hillary Clinton about. So then she's got to answer quite another hour and a half goes by. It's four hours in. There's one hour left. There's five other people on the committee. You're the last guy in the totem pole. You think you're going to get a question in? Hell no, you're not going to get a question in. You're not going to get to ask Hillary Clinton, a, Hillary Clinton a question for another 25 years. And by then, she's going to be dead. I mean, she's halfway there as it is already. Have you heard her hack? My God, it's horrible. Uh, anyway, so that that's what he's saying. He's saying we need a new structure. And because Ron DeSantis is from the military, he said, let's look to the military and let's figure out the, you know, the systems that they use in the military. Because when you're working with people who are in a job for a limited amount of time, that's a pretty good system to utilize. And you can award people and give them seniority without them having to stick around and become old fuddy-duddies. should be done based on merit. In the military, if I've been in the military longer than you, but you've accumulated rank quicker than me, then you're considered senior, even though you may have fewer years. Right. And I think that's the way the model that we have to go through in Congress. Term limits, obviously, will force those changes, and you will see turnover in the committees you'll see turnover in the leadership much more frequently than you do now. I mean, now this is just crazy talk. You know, this, uh, I mean, awarding people power based on merit? Who the heck does this guy think he is? What, what, come on, awarding, awarding power to the people who have the most merit, who have the best ideas, who have worked hard, who are actually willing to put in the hours, who fight the hardest for what their constituency, uh, constituency is asking for? Are you mad, Ron DeSantis? You're crazy, dude. A merit-based system in Washington. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's, you're just joking. No, but it, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. It should be based on merit. Uh, but then, you know, I work in the, pub, in the private sector, too, and 
It's not really how that works there either. He, he didn't make this great point. I want you to listen very carefully because this is one of the best quotes about term limits that I've ever heard. Listen carefully to why term limits is such an issue for all of us. If you think, by the way, if you think this doesn't affect you, if you're like, eh, I don't run for Congress, this doesn't affect me, you're dead wrong. Because the people that are making decisions in Washington for you today are not the people you voted for last November. The people you voted for in November who are just showing up for the first time, the junior senators and the freshmen, you know, congressmen, all those first timers, all those young whippersnappers with new ideas. Those folks who are walking into the, uh, the into the Capitol building for the first time, bright eyed and bushy tailed, the ones that you think are going to go make all this hope and change happen. They're not the ones in charge of it. It's the old fuddy-duddies who've been around for 30, 40, 50 years. Charlie Rangel, for example, who's, I mean, he's been in Congress since before I was born. And I'm not that young anymore. See? Just look at my head. Those are the people making the decisions, not the new people that you actually voted for. So if you keep these people in Congress and in the Senate forever, your vote really doesn't count. Here's here's Ron, listen to what Ron DeSantis says. What you find out is the resistance to changing Washington tends to come from the members on both sides of the aisle who've been here a lot of times and are just used to the way things are. And so if you've been here 30, 40 years, it's hard, it's just much harder to take a step back and say, why does Congress operate this way? Why don't we reform X, Y and Z instead? You know, you're more likely to just be part of the institutional inertia that grinds good ideas uh, to a halt. The institutional inertia that grinds good ideas to a halt. That is a brilliant phrase. I don't know if he wrote it or if he paid someone, uh, but it's brilliant. The institutional, uh, institutional inertia that grinds good ideas to a halt. That means that the people who are at the top of the food chain in Washington, the committee chair people, the people on the committee, they are the old fuddy-duddies who say, back in my day, we didn't need term limits and everything was fine. Those are the people, these are the people that leave their blinker on clicking while they're driving down the road at 20 miles under the speed limit. Those are the people in Washington you have making decisions. Is that who you want? You're telling me you want that person with their right blinker on when they're in the left lane for 40 miles deciding on the fate of your uh, health care, of our military strength, of your children's education? Come on. Come on. You do not. Part of the inertia that grinds good ideas to a halt. Term limits will fix that. Uh, so then I asked him, I said, hey, look, so how does it work? We pass this amendment and then we hand all the old fuddy-duddies a box and say, all right, get your crap and get out. And he said, uh, no. In terms of kicking people out of office, right. I would support it apply retroactively. So if you've been here more than three terms, you're gone. I would, I would support that. That realistically probably won't pass. So I think you do have to phase it in and realize that some members came under different rules because that'll give them an incentive to then want to vote for it. Okay, so good news, bad news. Good news is we can get it done, he thinks. Bad news is it's going to take a while to filter out, meaning that if if we pass this amendment and we say there are now term limits, but somebody's already in office, the term limits don't apply to them, and they could potentially keep running on the same rules forever. Personally, I'm of the whole it's retroactive, meaning if you've been here for 30 years, this is going to be your last year. And uh, there are several different ways. I don't want to, you know, we went into a long discourse about how it's going to happen and the best way should, is a constitutional amendment really necessary? Can't the states do it? I mean, isn't the whole thing about state powers, right? Aren't we all, we're all like conservative, libertarian. We are all like F big government. 
big government sucks. We don't we even want less government. So why another constitutional amendment? And he said, you know, uh, by the way, I didn't use the word F when I was talking to the congressman. I only use that word with senators. Uh, but anyway, so I, he was uh, he was like, look, there's a couple ways to do it. You could, number one, make the constitutional amendment. You could do something in Congress with laws. You could leave it up to the states. The only issue is the states there may not all decide the same way, uh, especially if you have Democratic states like Massachusetts who tend to elect the same people to the same office over and over and over again. So in Florida, we might enact term limits, but uh, the other 49 states may not. Several different roads to get to it, but he said uh, he's confident it can get done. Now, the other thing I asked him was about Donald Trump, because you guys heard, you you heard Drain the Swamp, right? Everybody knows Drain the Swamp. Drain the Swamp. Do I have Drain the Swamp here? Welcome to all of you deplorables. Clearly, that wasn't Drain the Swamp, but also a ph phenomenal quote from Donald Trump, one of my favorites uh, from all of his rallies. So, eh, you know, and it's fitting here. Anyway, he said, we're going to go to Washington. We're going to drain the swamp. We're going to get rid of the elites. We're going to get rid of all those people who have been running the place for their own personal and financial gain. The people that sit atop of those committee chairpersonships and just collect, 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 and only give out what they decide what they decide they want to give out, the people that make the backroom deals. And I said to him, you know, you and Ted Cruz came out with this on day one. Was it because of Donald Trump? Did Donald Trump call you? Did he say, hey, you have to be my go-to guys. I'm looking to do this and I need your help. And uh, and here, here was his response. Trump endorsed that. It was an existing proposal that he endorsed during the campaign. And um, so we looked at it and said, look, we got to come out early on this and really put some emphasis on it because all it takes is a couple tweets and if members aren't in a good place on this then then they're going to be in a world of hurt yeah that's the thing donald trump didn't mandate that this happened but he mentioned it and just by mentioning by putting it in the forefront you automatically have the support of the majority of his voters you are automatically have the support of a lot of people in congress and in washington and you're going to get the support, hopefully, of the majority of, of the uh, lawmaking officials in Capitol Hill. Uh, the fact that they jumped on this quickly was smart because it's fresh in everyone's mind. And Donald Trump, while setting forth an agenda in those first 100 days, is going to be able to wield a significant amount of power. Now, we've already seen that because I and I asked him about the uh, the whole debacle with the ethics committee. Remember, we talked about that three days ago where they all wrote in the first day and said, hmm, let's all meet in private and get rid of the ethics committee because that'll be a great way to showcase what we're really about. Score. Uh, and I said, look, Donald Trump tweeted out. What is it? Did, what does it tell you or how does it feel as a congressman to know that Donald Trump, the president elect, holds more power in rallying the Republicans than Speaker of the House Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan, whose job it is to rally Republicans among the, you know, to a certain cause. Paul Ryan went in there and when this representative Goodlatte said, hey, this is what we should do first. Let's get rid of this uh, ethics committee. Paul Ryan tried to stop it. You know, in his defense, he tried to stop it. In his offense, he wasn't able to. He wasn't able to eat on the first day. He wasn't able to caucus enough Republican Congress people, the Speaker of the House, mind you. He wasn't able to rally enough of his own people behind the idea that, hey, maybe telling the American folks that the first day of our work, what we're going to do is get rid of our watchdog uh, organization. That's not sending the right message. That's bad PR. That's bad GOPR. Uh, he failed at it. Trump sent out one tweet. Boom. Everybody got in line and they stopped it. So I asked him about that, too. Well, I would say a newly inaugurated president 
has a six to nine month period where they're going to have unified support from the voters in in their party. And uh, those voters are going to be with the president. And we as members of Congress, I mean, I know more about my individual district than Donald Trump does. Right. But the average constituent knows Trump better than me simply because he's ubiquitous on TV. They've seen him there for years and years. They may have only met me once or seen me speak once. So Trump has the ability to connect with our constituents much easier than we do. And that's the key. Donald Trump has the ability to think about this. Think about this. Because of Donald Trump's fame, because of his notoriety, because he's on Twitter, because he's been on NBC, because everyone knows you're fired, because we've all seen uh, the Access Hollywood bus tape, you know, whatever. All that, Because of all that, Donald Trump has been able to connect with vo- voters in different districts more so than the actual uh, congressmen and senators have. The constituency problem. Think about it. Think about this. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who Donald Trump is? Great. Do you know who your congressperson is? Okay, great. Could you pick them out of a lineup of like, say, four people? Maybe. What about your senators? Can you name both of those? Donald Trump connects with people better than anyone. And that's the reason why he was able to get Congress in line, because they know the American people are going to listen to Donald Trump because he's their friend and we are just their acquaintance. And uh, I, you know, I said going forward, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting tool. The American people should not and will not give Congress the benefit of the doubt when they're doing things behind closed doors that benefit them. Uh, and so it was very tone deaf. So I think that even if Trump had not tweeted, I think that there was a lot of dissatisfaction um, amongst members and guys like me were looking at not voting for the rules package as a result of that. Then once Trump weighed in, it was game over. There you go. Once that's that's going to be a that's another great quote. Once Trump weighed in, it was game over. That's basically it. That's how Donald Trump's presidency is going to work. Here's what he's going to say. He's going to get up there and he's going to say, "All right, here's what we need to do: build a wall, get rid of terrorism, make America great again." Uh, jobs, Toyota, you suck, that kind of, that's what he's going to do. He's going to come in there and say term limits, and then he's going to expect everybody else to get it done. And if they don't, or if he, if he hears that they're not getting it done, or they're working on something else, or they're doing something that is contrary to whatever his agenda is, if he's, if he hears that, uh, congressional Republicans or, or the Senate majority is in a back room, wheeling and dealing about something that doesn't fit with what agenda is best for the American people, what agenda is going to make America rich again, strong again, and great again, he's going to wield that power. And then, game over. Once Donald Trump weighs in, it's game over. This is going to be exciting. It's going to be very exciting. I want to talk to you about Obama's new house, but first, let's do a couple of uh, comments. You guys have been very patient. I've been uh, kind of on a, on a tear here today. But um, let's get some of the comments. Wow, 70 people shared. Thank you guys so much. Also, please don't forget to go to iTunes and not just download and subscribe, but the most important thing to really pump up this whole experience that we love having every day with each other, that sounded dirtier than I meant, is to leave a positive review or a review. I don't know if it has to be positive. I would assume positive is better. Maybe like five stars, four stars. I don't want to be greedy. Write something nice. As many reviews as we can get as quickly as possible, that will really benefit you and me and everybody else who's involved. Share. Thank you. Tweet, tweet. Uh, Tammy Compton. I heard Obama is building a wall around his new residence. Shows how much he cared about America. All right. Let's talk. You know what? 
Let's just talk about it because I have. Yes, uh, here's what happens. They had the moving truck truck out. Okay, here's Obama's new house. They had the moving trucks come to the White House and uh, they're packing up the stuff because now we've got like what 13 days left, 12 days left, something like that, a couple weeks basically. And Obamas need a place to live. They've already said that they're not leaving Washington until their last daughter, Sasha or Malia, uh, one of them, uh, finishes school. So they rented this house. Oh wait, oh, where to go? There it is. They rented this house. How creepy looking is this house? This is like, and I wrote it earlier in, a, in an earlier post when I first mentioned this. This is a photo from TMZ. This house to me looks like the dark house uh, that's creepy that kids avoid or that, you know, is abandoned and they throw glass at or there's some old, you know, there's some old wives tale of the creepy old man who murdered his family and lives there. Or, or it's like the kind of house where the criminal mastermind lives and just, you know, works in the basement on his evil plans to dominate the entire globe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? That might actually be fitting. That actually might actually that might actually fit in line with uh, with what's going on. But here's the other thing that that uh, that she was that um, uh, she was mentioning that Tammy was mentioning. It does look like the haunted mansion, Tammy. It sure does. From Disney World. Oh my gosh, it sure does look like the haunted mansion. Here's the other thing, though, that uh, you were mentioning is the wall. Look at this photo. This photo was captured by TMZ. This is a rental home that the Obamas are taking up residency in, and they had to come in and construct a security wall. These are the workers, and as you can see, they're building up. There was like a retaining wall, because if you're familiar with DC, there's retaining walls everywhere so that the, your front yard doesn't spill out. And this is very common-looking DC neighborhood. And they're building up a, retain, a, uh, a security wall on top of the retaining wall because, well, I mean... Walls keep you safe. Good fences make good neighbors. You know, it's not bad to have a little separate. You want to protect yourself, don't you, from those outside influences that may be negative, like drug dealers and rapists and criminals and people that are just trying to mooch off of you. I mean, it's the this is he's moving, by the way, from a house with a huge fence into another house where they're building a wall. And they're built. Where where is my uh what happened to my Hatchimals? Oh, here we go. Here's Hatchimal Donald Trump. I will build a great wall and Mexico will pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seems like great walls are turn turn you know turn out to be a great idea. This is the residence where Barack Obama will be living. I'll show it to you one more time. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, uh, here it is. You can swing by and say hi. Although maybe they, you know, maybe they purposely picked the scariest looking house on the block so that nobody so that nobody would come by and say hello. We are, gosh, we are 13 days out from what's gonna be the beginning of one of the best presidencies in history. And I'm gonna be here at least every day, well, Monday through Friday and Sunday nights, uh, talking about it and sharing it with you and reading your comments, playing back your Snapchats. Um, and if you would just do me a quick favor again, click on that link. Uh, above where it says get the podcast now in the description and download it subscribe to it make sure you like it make sure you put five big old stars in there and write me a review because that will really that will really jumpstart the process all right i'm gonna i'm gonna say goodbye i have to now upload the podcast and if you if you like what you saw don't forget also to subscribe to this feed there's gonna be a little button that pops up and says would you like to subscribe to the live feed and be notified whenever mark k goes live i would say probably yeah good thing to do uh have a great day Love you all. I will talk to you tomorrow. Say goodbye, uh, Hatchimal Donald Trump. Make America great again. Ah! Okay. All right. We'll, we'll take that. Oh, hold on. This is the awkward part where I didn't get uh, prepared to end the podcast, and I said goodbye already.
So now we have to stare awkwardly at each other while I wait for the car. It's like when you hug everybody goodbye and you're waiting for the valet and he's taking forever. So you say goodbye, it was great seeing you, thanks for dinner. And then you've got five more minutes to just small talk. I hate that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.